Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Widowed, and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. Welcome back, everyone. This is, I think, episode 90. Oh, my goodness. So many episodes. I would have not have believed it the first time I turned on this microphone to talk to you all. Seriously. I just got back from spending several days in Dallas at a huge coaches mastermind. The Life Coach School does this every year for us. There were about a hundred of us there. I love mastermind. I really do. It's my chance to connect with um, my peers, my friends, people that I went through certification process with to become a life coach. And this year, it really made me reflective. It really made me go. I went back and listened to episode one of this podcast. I listened to myself because on episode one is where I share, I quite simply turned on the mic and started telling you all how I became a widow, what happened, how Jim died and how it felt. It took me right back to that place of suddenly losing him. He died immediately. He had a massive coronary event here at home. Um, It was such a shock to me. And you know, I went right into that state of shock. I couldn't even focus on anything around me. At first, I couldn't even cry. I was in such a state of shock. Um, and spent months and months in that foggy widow brain. You know how our brain protects us and just kind of wraps your whole brain in layers of gauze so that you are barely aware of your own day-to-day life for a while. Um, And I remembered that first year and the struggles of it. It's all documented on this podcast I was asking ladies in my group, I have a Facebook group. If you're not in there, come find us. It's Widowed Book Club. And I had asked, you know, if there were one episode of my podcast that if you could only share one episode with a widow friend, which episode would you tell them to go listen to? And um, a couple of them said the episode where I talk about having a run-in with the snowblower, right? Because I couldn't start the stupid snowblower. I think it's episode three. You might want to go check that out. But, you know, it's just all the frustrations we have and being so lost when we are first widowed. And this is what really hit home with me as I sat there in that mastermind and looked around me. And I remembered three and a half years ago how it felt. And I remembered thinking there was just no life in front of me. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no income at that point. 
I was offered a job shortly after he passed away. It was a company that had been reaching out to me before Jim died. And I signed the offer letter immediately. I was just so relieved to have something. And um, at first it started out great because I was able to come into their company, immediately see what had been wrong, why they were clogged up with backlogs and had problems. And I changed a few procedures right away and it immediately cleared out the backlog. I think in my first three days working for them, I had a backlog cleared that had been a problem for a couple years in their company. So I felt like Superwoman it was amazing, right? It's like, yes, I'm killing it. I can really do this. But then I began to notice how the CEO would speak to other employees, and it was not good. It was not nice. And they began changing my job description and changing things around. And pretty soon I was just crunching all these numbers and keeping track of everybody's production on a spreadsheet so the CEO could come back and tell me who to fire. And I was really hating the job. Not to mention they were taking real unfair advantage of me as a widow, expecting me to be available to them seven days a week. And being really angry if they tried to reach out to me on a Saturday and I was not within steps of my home computer to jump on their server. It was crazy. It was crazy. I ended up like being held prisoner in my own house because I could not not be here or they would be angry because things would come in and they would want me to log on to the server and check the server. So, um... It just got really ugly and nasty, and I remember sitting at my desk thinking, I have loved doing this work for over 20 years. Why do I hate it now? And I knew what the answer was. I had always been able to coach and nurture my teams, and now instead of being able to coach and nurture all these women that I was working with, you know, I, there was no time allowed for that. And instead I was just crunching all these numbers and, and the CEO looking at the bottom line and firing people without really knowing what their contribution to the company was. I mean, some people, yeah, their production was a little lower, but it's because of what they were doing for the team. Um, it was just so uncomfortable. And when I realized that, I, de I made two decisions. One, I actually got a voice that said, it's time. It's time for you to just coach with the rest of your life. This is what you love doing. This is what you should be doing. And it, I thought, well, I can find out about how I can start coaching people and then eventually get away from this horrible job, right? But things came to a, really came to a head with that job like a week or two later, and I quit on the spot. I quit. Who does that? It's only because I had told myself like the 2015 could be the last year of my life because Jim died at the end of 2014. And I realized he had no way of knowing when we celebrated New Year's Eve that year that it was going to be the last year of his life. So I was living 2015 like it was the last year of my life and thought, I am not going to spend the last year of my life doing work that makes me miserable. So I quit and I had no income, no money coming in. It's the craziest thing I think I've ever done in my life. 
And then I took what money I had, found the coaching school that best covered the way I had been coaching. They were all about everything I believed in. The terrific coaching school, the life coach school. And I went there to become certified as a life coach and start my new life and my new business as a life coach. Sounds like the happy ending. No, it wasn't yet. <laughs> it was not the happy ending yet. I promise you. I went there, um, I think it was nine months after Jim died. I was at the school learning this skill, getting my skills honed and becoming certified, but I had never been an entrepreneur before in my whole life. I had never run my own business. I always made other people very successful that I went to work for. And I was building a business online. So it was a whole education to try to learn social media and how to connect with people over social media to build a business. And when you are doing your own business, like some days it is so amazing. Actually, most days it just feels so amazing to be doing something that you really love and you're passionate about and you look forward to. And pretty soon getting up in the morning is kind of exciting again, right? Instead of your first thoughts being, oh my God, he's dead. My first thoughts were about what I wanted to do to serve the women I was working with. So that was amazing, but it was a struggle to learn everything I needed to learn to be able to actually start make a, making a little money doing this to take care of myself, right? And I knew I needed to. The only way I was going to be able to create a movement for widows was if I could support myself while I was doing it. Otherwise, you don't get to have me. Right, you don't get to have me doing podcasts and and interacting on Facebook and all of that good stuff. So um, it was quite a bit of a struggle to figure out how to make that work, how to create something so that I could start this movement of training widows how to life coach other widows, because we've never had anything like that in this country. There are more and more widow coaches now. I'm certifying them. I've even found a couple others who certified as life coaches and their widows, and that's kind of their niche. Um, and I think it's so exciting because when I started doing this, I was the first one. It took me no time at all to realize, oh my gosh, I am the only widow coach possibly on the planet because I could not find another widow coach and others that were looking for a widow coach, they would find me, they would reach out to me and they would say, do you know what? You are it. <laughs> I would say, I know. Isn't that extraordinary that you would think there should be coaches for widows in every community, every community. I know there's grief counselors, but they're generally kind of old school psychology and they're more generalized in what they're counseling because they're working with people who have perhaps lost children, people who've lost a parent, people who've lost a sibling. 
It is so different when you lose your spouse. It is such a unique and all-encompassing experience with so many secondary losses. I know you've all experienced all the secondary losses of, you know, some parts of your family may become less involved in your day-to-day life. All of your couple friends seem to just disappear off the face of the earth. It's a difficult time. So going, walking that path and getting myself out there to where all of you could find me and those of you who want to learn how to be life coaches or just go through 12 weeks with me to work through your own journey could find me. I was finally accomplishing that. And why do I tell you all this story? Because it all came together for me last week. Because last week, I'm going to try to do this without tearing up on my podcast (laughs) and crying. Last week, I was honored to receive a small trophy and recognition for having sold $100,000 in coaching last year. Now, it's a significant milestone for a coach. There are not many coaches that can actually make it as a coach. I mean, that's why I teach it now. And my coaches are all going to make it. I'm teaching them how. But to receive that recognition and why, why would they award the dollar figure, right? You become a six-figure coach, $100,000. They reward that dollar figure. It's significant in that that's how many widows I've been able to reach, and teach and help. And I know if I can make that figure grow bigger each year, it means I'm helping more and more widows. That's why the dollar amount is significant. And it's significant to me because I know if I, one, if I can't support me, I, like I said, I can't do this work (laughs) if I can't support me Two, the more I can make, the more I can offer. I mean, that's, I have such a dream for what we need for widows in this country and so many things I would like to build and offer and do, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And I know I need to be successful to make that happen. So the story still is not over yet, but I'm telling you to come from a woman whose husband died on the floor with her and not even knowing where she was going to turn, to walking up on that stage to be handed in a graved crystal trophy, right? It says coaching elite designation. I was just, that to me was making the whole journey worth it. To me, that was like, oh my gosh, this really is something, isn't it? Compared to where I was. And I knew standing on that stage that I was not the same woman that I was three and a half years ago when Jim died. I have become a very different woman. The journey grows you. It really does. The trauma and the grief can grow you. You can turn that stuff around. You can make it mean something in your life and you can grow and personally transform beyond anything you could imagine. 
I would have never imagined this ever, ever. It was so good. So the important part of it is the fulfillment of doing this work and helping other widows do this work. Tony Robbins said success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And I think that's so true. You could go out there. That could be, I'm sure, a lot of different ways that I could have done, built a $100,000 business, a six-figure business that would have just, you know, sold six figures in cosmetics or whatever it was I decided to do. That would not have fulfilled me like this. This is fulfillment. So... Remember that. And like I said, the money designation is because money gives you amazing resources and tools. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make money so you can have these resources. And I say that for all of you. Put all your energy into what fulfills you and the money will be okay. And you will end up living an extraordinary life. To do that, you need to master your mind. That's all. That is what I teach. How you can master your mind and thoughts and emotions to step into an extraordinary life. You can be miserable or you can be euphoric. It's your choice. Realize we have a two million year old brain that is always looking for danger so that you can survive, which means your brain defaults to the negative. It's looking for all the problems and all the threats. It's rigged for survival. To override that, you're going to have to push against that brain. I had the pleasure of listening to Dr. Sasha Hines present and speak at our mastermind. And she said, it's not that you have mind drama all the time with all these negative thoughts, all these negative places your brain goes. It's that you have a perfectly normal brain and you're asking it to be exceptional. I was like, wow, isn't that the truth? When you learn to manage your mind and to look at your own thoughts, you really begin asking your brain to perform in a way that is exceptional. So that's what we work on. Now, there's something I did want to talk about on this podcast. It's the main meat of this podcast, and I have not even gotten to it yet. (laughs) I did a Facebook Live in the group talking about buffering. It can be a challenge to master buffering. And why would you want to? I brought up buffering on that Facebook live. And again, if you're not following Joanne, the life coach on Facebook, okay, you need to go look for Joanne, the life coach, follow it and find the widowed book club group page to join in. Get in there. We have lots of good stuff. Anyway, one of my widowed book club tribe asked for more clarification on buffering. Right? Gail wrote and said, I hope you go further into buffering. 
I get the general idea, but I'm confused if it is always a bad thing. If you're having a bad day and shopping makes your day better and shopping is buffering, is that necessarily bad? If eating popcorn and watching Netflix takes you out of your pain for a while, is that also bad? I've most likely understood this would be a great podcast topic. Well, Gail, yes, it absolutely would. And here I am. Here I am to talk about buffering. Buffering is something that I taught deeply when I was doing um, coaching to help people stop overeating. That's how I started out as a life coach, actually. Um, this whole widow coaching gig just kind of came to me, dropped in my lap. You all started showing up in my email asking for help, and I started taking on widow clients. Buffering is when you check out on your life and or your emotions, your feelings, by overusing food or alcohol or shopping, gambling, whatever your out-of-control compulsion is. We do it because we're feeling an uncomfortable emotion and want to distract ourselves from feeling it. Or because there's something wrong in our life that we don't want to face up to. Maybe we don't even want to admit it to ourselves. So we just check out, right? We just check out on life. And Gail asked, if buffering takes you out of your pain for a while, is that bad? But I say, wouldn't it be better to permanently address the emotional pain? If you are overeating because of the emotional pain, it only feels better for the few minutes when you're eating. Then it's coming back again, folks. If you can understand your pain and how to feel better, you don't need to abuse your body with food or spend hours binge watching things on Netflix. You can actually live your life instead. So let's be honest here. Wouldn't it just be better if your life did not suck? Do you realize that sometimes it's easier to be honest with other people with what we think our truth is, but we can't be honest with ourselves? We don't want to face our own truth. Here's how food buffering works, because I'm an expert on buffering with food, although there's all kinds of ways you can buffer, right? Every one of these over drinking, over shopping, right? All those things give your brain this little hit of dopamine. It's a chemical your brain produces. And when you get that little release of dopamine, it feels good. That's the pleasure center. By the way, if you use cocaine or heroin, it also releases, it releases a flood of dopamine in your brain. Pleasure centers. So here's how it works. Our brain plays a thought, like a sentence in our mind. And that thought vibrates into your body, creating a feeling, an emotion. All of our emotions and our feelings are created by what we are thinking, not from anything outside of us. Isn't that bizarre? 
So many times we think, well, he hurt my feelings. She made me mad. This really irritated me. When the truth is, it's what you were thinking about those things that really made you feel the way you felt. You were irritating yourself (laughs) by what you thought about the situation. So that thought vibrates into our body, right? It's creating an emotion. When you think, oh, I have to take on this really hard task. And because now my husband's dead, I have to do it all alone. I have to do that all by myself. This is going to vibrate as a really sad, lonely feeling in your body. If you go put food in your stomach, you are actually lowering the intensity of that feeling. Because it's a vibration that comes from your brain down through your body. Think of a wine glass, an empty wine glass. You can go ting on the side of it and it just goes ting and it rings like the vibration because the vibration moves through the glass, right? If you fill up that wine glass with (laughs) M&Ms, yes, with M&Ms, and you thunk your finger on the side, it doesn't go ting. It goes dunk, dunk. Because it has dulled the vibration of that glass. Same thing. You put that bag of M&Ms in your stomach and now you've kind of dulled the vibration of that feeling that was feeling bad. The problem is, yes, while you're eating the M&Ms, you think you feel better because your brain is giving you little hits of dopamine because you're putting that sugary chocolate in your mouth, right? So your little pleasure center's going off and it's like, oh, I'm just so much better now. But once the M&Ms are done, your stomach is full, maybe even uncomfortably so. Maybe you're a little sick from eating so many. And all your feelings are really still there. Right? Whatever was making you feel bad to begin with is still going on in your life. It's really a bad thing when you feel out of control, out of control with your eating, gaining unhealthy weight, going to bed with acid reflux, becoming borderline diabetic, or just flat out beating yourself up mentally for having eaten so much. It's the same way with any kind of buffer and buffering can begin to feel out of control. It's like you can't stop yourself. Sometimes I used to buffer with food massively, especially in the evenings, okay? And when I would do it, I would almost reach a point sometimes where it was like I was a little bit out of my body watching myself still eating the food and thinking, this is insane. My stomach hurts. Why am I still eating? Why do I still feel this overwhelming urge to keep eating? I couldn't control it. Just as bad if shopping is your buffer. And I've talked to widows, have a widow coach. If you deal with this, reach out to me. She's the perfect coach for you. Because she found, actually, she found shopping online was like a double buffer. Because she would order something online, like from Amazon or something. And she would get a little hit of dopamine pleasure in her brain doing that. Like, ooh, we just bought that thing. Then two days later, when UPS showed up with the item, she would get a dopamine hit again. Like, oh, here it is. I get to open it up. 
And she got to the point where her entire kitchen counter was stacked with items that she did not need, did not want, but that she had bought all these things that she had bought and she could not stop buying. Do you see how that buffering a little bit with something can get so out of control that now you're really having money issues. Your credit cards are being declined because you've just been buying, buying, buying things to get that hit of dopamine to make yourself feel better. Trying to make yourself feel better. But instead you end up feeling out of control. And it occurred to me at some point along the line when I was coaching with so many widows individually and talking to hundreds of widows and I realized that some widows might use their process of grief and prolong it as a form of buffering because it's emotionally very painful to look into a future that no longer includes your spouse. So you just hang on to your emotional pain being a widow because it's, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much as you think it will hurt to let go of that and try to find a future for yourself. Grieving includes a huge snarl of emotions, a huge snarl. There's so many other emotions going on that we think are all grief, but they're not because we're dealing with regret. We're dealing with um, loneliness. We're dealing with anger. We're dealing with even jealousy. Sometimes all these emotions get all globbed together. I have had weight loss clients who actually have a hard time letting go of their overweight story because so much of their life has been focused on what to eat, what not to eat, and the struggle. The struggle is what is familiar to them. And when they try to let that go, it's like there's this big empty place in their life because they don't have the weight struggle anymore. All of a sudden, they get all their eating under control. They break that um, addiction to sugar and flour so that they don't have the overwhelming urges anymore. But now they've got all this big empty space in their life that used to be occupied by all these thoughts of why can't I stay on a diet and what am I going to wear today? What doesn't make me look fat? All those thoughts that go with the weight struggle. When they let go of all that, there's this big empty void that's kind of scary that they have to learn to fill with something else other than being overweight and struggling with it. So do you think a widow might want to continue on with all those emotions and grief as a buffer against facing a life without their spouse? The death of our husband or wife has already left a big empty place in our life, right? We already have a big empty place. And could it be that some fill up that empty place with the pain of being widowed? And that becomes the new comfort in their life. They're buffering with misery. We're constantly bombarded with ways to feel pleasure and check out on our life. 
right? If you turn on the TV, there's commercials. If you look in magazines, there's ads. You should go eat this. You should go buy this. You should do that thing that will bring you pleasure. And there's a lot of money to be made on pleasure. The pleasure of food, the pleasure of drinking, the pleasure of purchasing something. Believe me, a lot of corporations have taken advantage of that by selling us things that are concentrated pleasure. And our brain starts to think we need them for survival. Remember, I told you our brain's main job is to keep us alive. So if eating a salad is good and we get a little bit of dopamine in our brain so that our brain reassures that we continue to look for food on the planet to keep ourselves alive, then eating a little Debbie cake must be super good at keeping us alive because it's such a big hit of dopamine in our brain when you eat something like a little Debbie's cake. And our brain is like, that's really good. Do more of that to stay alive. Let's eat more Debbie cakes. When you can see your buffer and what it is, and then you begin to allow the urge without answering it, you slowly begin to reduce the urge to buffer. Right? That's the way you, you overcome it. You can't, when I was teaching weight loss, it was like you can't overcome that buffer by eating according to some diet plan and white knuckling it and holding all your willpower. I'm not going to eat anything outside of this plan telling me to eat. That's a terrible way because now you're just resisting the urges. And when you resist any emotion, it gets stronger and stronger. You can't resist it. You have to just sit there and allow yourself to feel the urge for whatever your buffer is. Just feel the urge and don't answer it. If the urge is to go eat ice cream, you're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need ice cream right now. I really feel the urge to eat ice cream, but I'm not going to do it. And when you can allow a hundred urges without answering them with the buffer, they go away. They slowly reduce. You slowly begin to reduce that urge to buffer and then they pretty much go away. And when you let go of buffering, it opens up your brain to be able to focus on so many other things you want in your life and in your world. Buffering is false pleasure. Right. And what I was speaking about on my Facebook live, that talk that was given at mastermind by Sasha Hines, she was giving a talk on happiness. And what she actually explained was that when they did studies on happiness and they did studies on negative emotions and on happy emotions, and they found that the negative emotions drive us to take action right? With a negative emotion, if you feel fear because a tiger, you come through the bushes and there's a tiger and that fear hits you and the adrenaline releases and all you are focused on in that moment is how do I get away from the tiger? There is no other thought in your mind. Your focus is narrowed to a pinpoint, right? And you take action, you run run. Negative emotions make us take action. I like to talk about the emotion of disgust. 
because people think disgust is kind of an icky emotion to feel. But disgust has kept us alive as a species and continues to. Because if you didn't feel the emotion of disgust and you came across a fish out of water laying there rotting with flies and stuff all over it, you might pick it up and cook it and eat it. It's a food source. But no, instead you were like, that's disgusting. Oh, it's rotting. And you go the other way. So you don't eat it and get sick. Disgust has just saved you. Disgust has just caused you to take action. When we find something disgusting, it repels us. We move away from it. Keeps us in safety. It's kind of a good emotion to have. Think about it. All negative emotions make you take action. And it takes your point of awareness right down to one little tiny thing. You can't focus on anything else. When you're feeling urges for your buffer, whether it's an urge to go get a glass of Chardonnay so you feel better, that urge is going to feel like a negative emotion because all you can focus on is that thing that you want because of that urge, right? Positive emotions, they found, do not make us take action. When we're feeling a positive emotion, we're like, yeah, that's good. It doesn't make us go do anything in the world. So you might say, well, wait a minute, this sounds so backwards. This is like negative emotions are really good because they drive us to take action and positive emotions make us do nothing. Well, <laughs> how can this be? But then they did studies and they found that when we're in a state of positive emotion, contentment, happiness, whatever your positive emotion is, our awareness is expanded all around us. We can take it all in. We can take the whole world in. Our focus is not narrowed down to one tiny thing like it is when you're experiencing a negative emotion. In the state of positive emotion is when you can learn new things. It's when we grow both intellectually, emotionally, you grow when you're in a state of positive emotion. You develop resilience when you're in a state of positive emotion. It's a wonderful thing. But now here's the thing that really blew my mind. Because Sasha talked about buffering and said buffering is an interesting thing. Because when you're buffering, your brain thinks you're experiencing a positive emotion. Because you're getting that little hit of dopamine. It feels good. But the truth is, buffering is really a negative emotion. Because while you're buffering, you're focused on just that one thing. You are being focused by that urge to just sit down and drink the damn Chardonnay or eat the cookies. And it puts you in a negative emotion space. When you are buffering, you cannot be aware of the rest of the world around you. You cannot grow. You cannot learn. You are just focused on your buffer. So buffering is essentially a negative emotion experience. 
Isn't that fascinating? So that's a little bit more on buffering. And Gail, I hope you begin to see buffering a little clearer now and why it's not necessarily a good thing because you're thinking it's bringing you pleasure. You're thinking it's giving you some comfort from the pain, but it's so temporary and it's not really doing that. Right? If you buffer with alcohol and you quit drinking, you'll be able to give up any hangover, any embarrassing drinking moments, any way that you feel when you drink alcohol that you would rather you didn't. Right? Something that was very interesting to me, and I have said this to my weight loss clients. They say, I talk to them about the protocol that they want to eat on and like, don't have sugar, don't have flour for a little while, get over that addiction, what things that they want to eat that really nurture their body and they know allows them to lose weight. And then they say, but when I go out with my girlfriends, it's like, it's, that's all our pleasure. That's how we connect. We all go out and have hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and we have dinner and it's so much fun and some months we all get together at the Italian restaurant and some months we all get together at the Mexican restaurant. We look forward to the food. And I thought, do you really enjoy being with your friends or is it just the food that you want? And if you take the food out of the equation, you're just going to go have a salad at the Mexican restaurant and you're saying, it's going to be no fun to go there with my girlfriends if all I do is eat a salad. Well, baby, you need some new girlfriends because if they're so boring that you have to buffer with food to have a good time with them or buffer with alcohol to have a good time with them, it means they're just, they've never been fun all along. You only thought they were fun because you were two margaritas in, <laughs> right? You've not been in an authentic place in your life. How can you have a true relationship with your life when you can't be authentic. You want to be able to let go of the buffers. And here's the thing. If you don't understand why you might be buffering, I used to not get it. I knew that I was overeating. I was like, I don't know why I'm overeating. I have no idea why I'm overeating. Like, here's the deal. If you stop overeating, it's going to come up. The reason why is going to show up big for you, but you're not going to figure it out until you stop the buffer. Once you stop buffering it, then you're like, oh, this feels like crap. Let me take a look at what's going on here, right? Maybe you've been a people pleaser all along and you're really feeling resentful about it because you're bending over backwards for everybody and nobody appreciates you because you've been such a people pleaser. And you need to figure out, you need to acknowledge that you've been being a people pleaser and it makes you really be a worse person on the inside. All the time you're trying to make people like you and think you're wonderful and you are deteriorating on the inside because you're hating them and you're resenting them and right, you need to get out of that people pleaser cycle. And when you do, you don't need the buffer anymore. But as long as you kept buffering, you would have never seen that in your life and what needed to be fixed. It is so much better to live an authentic, amazing life and to stop buffering so that you can see what things you need to fix in your life. Am I eating? Cause I'm telling myself how lonely I am all the time. I need to just fix that whole lonely thing. 
I have to take all by myself out of my vocabulary because the more I tell myself that, and I include myself, I caught myself on that one all the times that I would think, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do this, but I have to do it all by myself, all by myself. What a little victim, right? <laughs> what a little victim. Oh, I have to do it all by myself because I'm a widow. Every time I would tack that on to any thought I was going to have about doing anything, it made me feel awful. And when I decided I had to just abolish that thought and I could say, hey, I'm going to sell this house and I'm going to move across the country. Now it sounds awesome. Now it feels exciting. It's exactly what I want to do. But if I tag on, I'm going to sell this house and move across the country all by myself. Oh, <laughs> do you see what we do to ourselves with our thoughts? A little change in thinking can change how you feel about everything. So you guys, after getting this award last week and going forward, I came home from Mastermind with so many ideas, I have to tell you. Because I listened not just to Sasha Hines, but there were six amazing, I think it was six amazing coaches giving amazing presentations. There were so many ideas, ideas from my mentor, ideas from the women, the women that I was able to network with and talk to. And going forward after receiving this award, I really want to find a way to serve even more of you. I know that becoming a widow coach may not be for all of you. Not all of you are going to say, yes, I want to become a certified widow coach and start working, helping other widows. Might not be for all of you, but you're wanting something more than just listening to podcast episodes. So I'm going to be working behind the scenes here to build a membership site that will be more than just a forum that you pay to go post in. Because we can do all of that on Facebook for sure though Facebook becomes a little creepy <laughs> sometimes because of the whole security thing and you don't get as close to others as you can in a closed community. But I already have that in place. You can go look for Widowed Book Club. But for the online membership, I want to offer you video modules where I can coach and teach you in different modules how to get past the overwhelming pain of loss right? Have a series of videos that kind of talk you through that. Have videos that teach you how to deal with the financial fear that will hold you back from being able to get a handle on your money. A whole set of video series on how to handle and process emotions like anger, how to mitigate the loneliness. I want a whole module for you guys on relationships. And that's both your relationship with family and friends as well as for those of you who have asked about this, the possibility of a new relationship in the future. And then I'm even including an entire module of videos that is a six month program to stop overeating for permanent weight loss. That program alone is a $12,000 program. If you take that program with a coach, I'm throwing it in there with just this on little online membership. It's going to take me some time to get the site all ready. I have to film all these videos. I have to get someone to help me build the online site, but be waiting for it. And I want to know if you're interested. 
because if you're interested, you can go get on a mailing list so that you'll be notified when it launches. You'll be one of the first people that get to get in there and start taking a look at this stuff. I think it's going to be phenomenal. And I'm going to do it so that the monthly membership fee is actually less money than if you joined Weight Watchers. Okay, what a deal. I know. It's crazy, right? <laughs> so if you want to get on the mailing list so that I can kind of keep you updated as this process goes along and let you know when the doors are going to be open, the online membership is going to be called the Widow Coaching Center. So right now you can go to widowcoachingcenter.com. Put in your name and your email address. It'll put you on my list. You will get an email back asking you to click a button and confirm your email. I need you to do that to opt in um, for lots of reasons. One, I want to know that you actually got my notification in your email because some people have email providers that just throw things out. <laughs> okay. So watch for the email so that you can click and confirm your email address. And that way you'll be added into my list and get notification. Again, that address is widowcoachingcenter.com. And that will take you where you can jump on the list. Now I will warn you, I want to say a word to all of you who have an email address that is at coxnet, C-O-X dot N-E-T. I have suddenly noticed that anyone that goes to any of my website connections, people who want to learn more about the Life Coach Certification Program and click on the buttons on my site, if your email address is cox.net at the end, my emails don't go through to you. So you're probably thinking, well, you know, I clicked on it and I put in my name and my email address and I'm not hearing anything back from her. That's why if you have a free Gmail account, you can go get a free Gmail account online through Google. Go make a Gmail account and use that one because I know my emails will go back out through Google Mail. So, so good talking to you guys. I'm so excited to be back from Dallas and already I can't wait for Mastermind next year. It's my pilgrimage. I love it. But between now and next year, I'm building that membership site for you guys and we'll get you all in there. I'm so excited. I can't wait to make this happen. Be thinking about how you might be buffering in your life. And if you want to know more about that, reach out to me. Reach out to me in my email. Go into my Facebook group, Widowed Book Club. Post about it. We'll, we'll discuss it. It's a good topic. And in the meanwhile, get out there and find some joy in your life. I'll see you next time. <laughs>